I'm not just no candy corn guy, I'm anti-candy corn guy. Like straight up, you will not eat it at no. all. No, I'd rather eat candle wax. Like, no, <laughs> to me it is candle wax. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And what a catch as Darius Lassiter pulls it in. And it's recovered by BYU, Isaiah Banyo. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is now our pleasure to welcome in for another Maddich Monday, and I'm guessing a fired-up Maddich Monday at that, ESPN college football analyst and expert, insider, all-around good man, and the BYU national champion, Trevor Maddich, is back on the show following, frankly, a debacle in Austin, Trevor. So how would you wrap your mind around where in the world it went wrong for BYU? Where would you begin that conversation? Well, I would start by acknowledging that this is a top 10 team. And I, I think Texas may well end up in the playoff. They're that good. They'll, they'll, they have a tough schedule to go to, to finish out, but they could very well make the playoff. So, so we start there. But where it really starts and ends is two places. Generally, they start slow. Generally, they'll start with giving up a, a, a defensive touchdown to the opponent or a special teams touchdown like they did in this one with a punt return to Xavier Worthy, which was just yeah, a couple things went wrong there. And uh, and then the offense is very limited by the ability of the offensive line to run block. And so those things kind of combine to put them behind the curve and especially behind the chains. You mentioned the offensive line and the run game specifically. Offensively, BYU's got massive issues. They have. We're hoping it'd be corrected. It it has not been corrected quite yet. Where do you start the conversation and what the offense needs to do in the final four games of the regular season? Well, the conversation starts in acknowledging what you can and can't do, not what you wish you could do. And this offensive line, they're, they're, they're not good run blockers as a group. And uh, there are probably reasons for that, but the proof is on tape. They've been largely quite good in pass protection, except when they play a team like Texas. Texas one of the best defensive fronts in the country, and they, they had a lot of good moments, the BYU offensive line, in protecting against, uh, against that defensive front. And they blitzed, Texas did a fair amount, and there were times when those blitzes were picked up. And when those things happened, the passing game started to work a little bit. The problem is... It didn't happen consistently enough. And and in between the times when the offensive line protected the quarterback well, there were plenty of times when they just got overwhelmed. So that's what you got. So now what do you do? So you talk about the creativity of it. And this is where, you know, the offensive staff needs to work around those things. And they try, but they're limited by the fact that they've got a quarterback who is um, is not particularly mobile. I, I, I love Keaton Slovis as a, as a quarterback. He's a terrific pos- pocket passer, and he's an elite leader. But he's not Zach Wilson. He's not Jaron Hall. He's not a guy that's going to fix the problem with poor pass protection by running around and, and making defensive pass rushers chase him all over the place from sideline to sideline. He's just not that guy. But if you give him protection, he's very, very good. And so now what do you do? So, you know, there's things they can do from a creativity standpoint, move the pocket more. They can, you know, in, in 
employ more creative screen looks. And they tried to do that in this game a few times, and the execution was so poor by the players, I think they got away from some of that stuff. But these are some things that you need to do, just acknowledging that you're not going to get good pass protection. Your quarterback is not going to be able to fix it from a starting point in the pocket. Trevor Maddich of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. On the other side of the ball, it felt like the defense made enough plays, certainly up through that second red zone, fourth down stop, to try and at least give BYU a chance to win the game. Are we wrong to believe that the defense made enough plays to give BYU a legitimate chance to beat Texas? The defense was magnificent. They were amazing. The special teams put them in a hole to start the game. The offense couldn't do much of anything. And yet the defense did a phenomenal job. I mean, two goal line stands, a third red zone stop where they forced a turnover. It wasn't like a, a mistake by the offense and BYU was there to take advantage of it. They forced the turnover by getting into the backfield and stripping the ball and then recovering it uh, when Texas had the ball on the 10-yard line for another potential score. As a matter of fact, Texas didn't really blow this thing open until an interception was returned down to the 8-yard line, and then there was another turnover that gave Texas another short field. Other than that, the BYU defense played lights out. So I would say not that they, were, that they played well enough to uh, give them a chance. They played well enough to win this game. And they got no help from any other phase of the game. It's tough when the four TD drives uh, from Texas' offense only used 148 yards. That's tough. Uh, felt like that we agreed. The defense did a really good job. Granted, you look at 35, you break it down, they did. Okay, back to the offense for a second. How uh, long is the leash for Keaton Slovis until BYU mixes it up with Jake Retzloff to see if there's something, a different gear, a different option there? Sometimes you make a switch at quarterback, not because your current quarterback isn't getting it done, but because your offensive line isn't good enough to protect him as a pocket passer, and you got to put in somebody who's a bit more mobile. And behind Keaton, there's a guy that's mobile. At the same time, the only way for this offense to really move the ball consistently is chunk plays through the air. And Slovis is the guy who's developed the chemistry with a really good set of receiving core. R I mean, really good. Uh, and, I mean, Darius Lasseter, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, a bunch of big, tall tight ends. These guys are good. Now, they could be more precise, some of them, in their routes, but they finish plays downfield. And you need a quarterback that will know where to throw and can get him the ball there. And, and I, I still think that Keaton is the guy to be able to do that. At the same time, if he continues to be overwhelmed in the pocket, maybe you make a change, not because Keaton's not getting it done, but because you need a guy that can escape. And so we'll see how the offensive line does. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, now we turn the page and look ahead to West Virginia. BYU is now a 10-point underdog on the road in Morgantown. But, Trevor, it's a night game. Are, are you all in on BYU playing better at night? Because it certainly feels that way over the last four seasons. Will that help BYU in any way? Also, that West Virginia is maybe not as good as Texas. Yeah, but West Virginia is really good. True. Uh, they won last week. They continue to get better as the season goes on. So does Iowa State, by the way, which is another team that people are pointing to that BYU might be able to pick up their sixth win. And West Virginia, Morgantown, is a really 
creepy, freaky, strange, weird place <laughs> to play at night as well. And it'll be a great experience for BYU fans who go there because it's, man, Morgantown at night is like no other place at night. It's it's not just intimidating and strange. It's also a little scary. You know, it's, 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 a great, it's a great environment. So West Virginia is, you know, is, it would be a quality win for BYU if they're able to pull this out. But again, it comes down to what we've talked about before, guys, in the way that BYU needs to win. They need to win the turnover battle. They need to win the penalty battle, have fewer penalties. Uh, and they need to execute better. And let, and against West Virginia, they're going to need to execute better on offense and on special teams. Let's just, let's just take a moment to describe where on special teams execution broke down against Texas that they need to improve on. It was that punt return for a touchdown in the first quarter. And the, it started out with poor execution because the punter kicked the ball not straight down the middle of the field, but almost down the middle of the field. He kicked it right along the, the punting team's right, or excuse me, left hash mark, right? So the, the returners, Xavier Worthy, had either direction to go anything he wanted to do. Now, when you look at the end zone view of that play, you see the gunner went down and just flew right by the returner. He didn't break down, didn't make the returner uh, slow down and make him juke him so his buddies had time to kind of catch up to a long punt. He just went flying right by him as if he wasn't there. So, good. So, BYU now is playing with 10 guys. Five of the remaining guys were all lined up in a row to the left of the left hash. It looked to me expecting the ball to be punted over towards the left sideline. Well, when it wasn't punted toward the left sideline, they were already outflanked to the middle. So, five guys are gone. Now you got the punter, six, the gunner who ran by him, that's seven. Now you got three guys to cover the entire field from the left hash all the way to the right sideline. And that was just too big of a hole for those guys to cover. That's poor execution. If BYU tightens up things like that, they have a chance to win this game against West Virginia. If they do not, then BYU won't win another game this season. I was just going to ask that question because it's certainly a tough November at West Virginia, Iowa State at home, Oklahoma at home, who certainly is vulnerable, but Kansas has shown they're pretty good, actually. And then, of course, at Oklahoma State, who looks awesome <laughs> to end the season. BYU needs to win one more game to get a bowl game. We've asked a couple of times, what's the most winnable opportunity in the last four, in your opinion? This one, maybe Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Iowa State. I think Oklahoma has so much to play for, and they've got so much skill that the offense of BYU is going to need to catch up to a degree. Now, the Oklahoma defense has had trouble in recent weeks. And if BYU can protect the passer, BYU can move the ball and score some points and keep this thing close. Oklahoma State has been playing lights out. They have a legitimate Heisman candidate at running back in Ollie Gordon. He has been un stoppable in recent weeks once they started to figure out that they needed to commit to handing the ball to him. Another place where BYU's offense needs to grind out long drives and finish with touchdowns so that they don't get their defense worn out by the end of the third quarter. Iowa State has one of the best defenses in the Big 12. BYU's offense needs to execute better, right? And then uh, you got this game at West Virginia. So if I, if I were to pick two, you just look on paper, you look at West Virginia, maybe Iowa State, um, but Every one of these teams is 5-3 or better, 5-3 or 5-3 or, uh, or better. And so this is where you've got a situation where BYU just has to execute a whole lot better. And so I, I, I look right now at the possibility of making a bowl, and I think the same thing that I did when the season started. Given the schedule, given that it is BYU's first season in the Big 12, 
that the other legacy Big 12 teams have been recruiting to that conference for decades, and BYU is now recruiting to that conference for the first time, not even a full year. BYU, to get to a bowl game, would be a fantastic season. I still believe that. With the, the times in this season that have been awful and ugly, if BYU can find a way to get one more win, I think we have to look at this as a, a magnificent overall coaching job by Kalani Satake and especially that defensive staff. And so I, I, I look at it that way. I just don't see uh, an FCS school that should be penciled in as a win in the remaining schedule. Trevor, your spooky, creepy reference was totally timely with it being Halloween week and all in reference to Morgantown. And in that line of thinking, what's your go-to Halloween candy on Halloween Eve and through this holiday? Candy corn. There is only one correct <laughs> answer to that, candy corn. Now, you can make a close second any one of several different variations of peanut butter stuff. But, um, you know, <laughs> peanut butter cups, you know, Reese's Pieces, stuff like that. But but if you don't put candy corn at number one, you've got no sense of history, no sense of value, no sense of what makes right <laughs> right in this country. You saved your hottest take for the very end. I love it. <laughs> Trevor, it's great to talk with you, man. Happy early Halloween, and uh, we appreciate the clarity and the forthright nature of your commentary. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN. He's never been more on wrong on any subject ever. <laughs> I'm anti I'm not just no candy corn guy. I'm anti candy corn guy. Like straight up, you will not eat it no. at all. No, no, I'd rather eat candle wax. Like, no. <laughs> to me, it is candle wax. Come on now. <laughs> BYU football with Kalani Satake is tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app, ESPN Plus as well as the coach. Talks about what happened on Saturday at Texas. Big game at West Virginia Saturday night. Up next, Minnesota starting quarterback Kirk Cousins injured. Maybe an Achilles out for the season. Does that mean Jaron Hall is going to be the starter for the Vikings? Another BYU quarterback starting the NFL? We'll discuss next on BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B on Halloween Eve. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. BYU football lost 35-6 at number 7 Texas. That'd be weird if a team from the state of Utah lost by that score to a top 10 team. That's, That's where it's strange. BYU turned the ball over three times, had 292 yards of total offense. Kalani Satake says it needs to be better. Yeah, it's taking care of the football and it's, it's protecting our quarterback, establishing a, a very consistent running game. You know, that's, that's what we got to do. And so um, I, I felt like uh, Texas did some really good things to take stuff away, but there, there's a there's a lack of execution from all of us and on all three phases, you know, where uh, I think we can we can be better and that's uh, we'll work on it. We'll progress. He's playing at West Virginia this week. 7 Eastern, night game on FS1. And we know the kick time for Iowa State the next week in Provo on Saturday, November 11th, announced this morning as night game, 10-15 Eastern on ESPN. The Cougs are now guaranteed to win both. Vampire Cougs for the win. On to Cougars in the NFL Part 1, a wild Sunday, including Zach Wilson, who somehow, with 24 seconds on the clock, tied the game for the Jets. Hey. And the <laughs> guys in gangrene 
found a way, 13-10, to beat the Giants. 240 yards passing for Zach and a TD. He was the Jets' leading rusher with 25 yards on four carries. Jaron Hall pressed into action for the first time in his NFL career because Kirk Cousins has apparently torn his Achilles. The Vikings beat the Packers 24-10. Hall was 3-4 for four for 25 yards. He may be the starter moving forward for Minnesota. And Taysom Hill, nine carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns, completed one pass for 44 yards, caught one pass for 14 yards, and a Saints 38-27 win over the Indianapolis Colts. Jamal Williams added 30 rushing yards for the Saints in that victory. I saw a stat yesterday that the Saints are 17-1 when Taysom Hill carries seven or more times in the game. That's such a random one because him carrying seven times doesn't mean they win, but apparently it does. Fred Warner totaled uh, 10 tackles for the Niners in a 14-point loss to your Bengals. Fukunakua, three passes, uh, three catches rather for 43 yards. Rams 43-20 loss to the Cowboys. Tyler Algier, eight carries, 31 yards for the Falcons in a 28-23 loss to the Titans. Michael Davis, four tackles for the Chargers in a 30-13 win over the Bears. Kyle Vinoy had a tackle for the Ravens in a win over the Cardinals. Who they think gonna beat them Bengals? Niners not, stink the Not the 49ers. Wow. BYU Do, doing me a solid as Seahawks fan. <laughs> BYU women's cross country, we mentioned this off the top. Yeah. Won the university's first ever Big 12 championship on Saturday. Lexi Halliday-Lowry, the highest finishing runner for BYU, who took fourth place. The Cougars' top seven runners all finished in the top 15. Amazing, which earned them all Big 12 honors. Number three, BYU men's cross country took second right behind Big 12 champ number two, Oklahoma State. Creed Thompson led the way for the Cougs who will compete for a national championship, both the men and the women, in a couple of weeks. Seventh-ranked BYU women's soccer taking on Oklahoma in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament in Round Rock, Texas tonight, 6.30 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. If BYU wins, which they will, they'll take on the winner of TCU and UCF on Wednesday. And uh, we learned they want TCU. Yes, we did. Number eight, women's volleyball swept for a second straight night on Friday against Kansas State. This marks the first time BYU's lost back-to-back -back games to an unranked team, or in this case, the same team, for the first time since 2011. Whoa. Up next, two home matches Friday and Saturday against Cincinnati. Weird matches in Manhattan Thursday and Friday. Jimmer Fredette helped lead Team Miami to a second three-on-three -three world tour stop win, this time in Abu Dhabi. Didn't they win in Santiago, Chile, just like last week? He's Literally the, he's last the week, the world dog. traveler. Yeah, them Delta. Abu Dhabi. Jimmer was named the MVP of the event for the second time on the world tour. He blew the game wide open when he took over late in that championship game. Still got it. Men's golf competing in the Kapolei Invitational, Kapolei Golf Club in Hawaii today through Thursday. And BYU women's golf competing in the Hurricane Invitational at the Bit Biltmore Country Club in Coral Gables, Florida. Play began this morning, and that, too, runs through tomorrow. And last but not least, Robbie McCombs of Bankful reports that BYU men's hoops beat Stanford in a secret scrimmage. That's a win. Saturday, 77-72. Next year, that's an a a a ACC win. Down Hall, Dawson Baker didn't play. Uh, Robbie reported that Hall should be ready for the season opener on November 6th, while Baker could miss some time. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jaron Hall came in for the injured Kirk Cousins. Uh, apparently a season-ending Achilles injury after the game. Jaron spoke to the media about being ready to be the Vikings quarterback. 
Very. You know, it's, I have a great coaching staff around me. Um, you know, Coach O'Hara has, has done a great job you know, preparing me. Coach Grant, the side with him, um, and the KO. You know, so it's a great coaching staff. I feel like they've, they've done a great job preparing all of us each and every week, making sure that we, uh, you know, dot our I's, cross our T's, and are ready to play. And, and that's just a professional um, approach you take every week. And, and I pride myself on preparation. So um, once you're down the field, it's just a game. And, and so I feel like, you know, I'm more than capable and ready to, you know, do whatever's asked of me. It stinks for those guys, but two Achilles have yielded Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall as Crazy. starting opportunities now. Crazy. Same what, injury. What? Same injury. What do you expect from Jaron Hall as the Vikings starting quarterback next week? Oh, man. Well, for one, I expect him to be the starter for at least one game, but I also expect the Vikings probably to maybe bring in a veteran to help shore up that room. I, I don't know if Jaron's going to be the guy the rest of the Nick way. Nick Mullins should be ready in two weeks, apparently. Yeah, we'll see. But... I expect uh, a watered-down game plan and for the Vikings to utilize Jaron Hall's mobility a little bit. He'll probably sure. be out of the pocket a lot and they'll probably get him on the move because that's what he does. You know, I mean, not high expectations, but like there are enough playmakers around Jaron Hall that he can win a game for sure. Yeah, they and by the way, they play at Atlanta. So you're going to see Tyler Algier and Jaron reunited. Hall on the other side. So that's fun. Yeah, I expect him not to turn it over. That's what he does. Yeah, Takes care of the take football. care of the football. Yep. Although right. he did, unfortunately, in a strict, uh, a strip sack fumble. Give it up. In the game, yeah. So maybe he'll learn from that and okay. uh, take care of the ball. Three for four passing yeah. in that limited action. Okay, back to BYU women's volleyball. How do back-to-back -back losses to unranked Kansas State, middle of the pack team in the Big 12, impact volleyball's postseason status and seeding potential? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna make the tourney. It's just where they're seated. Certainly, uh, you know, three or four weeks left in the regular season. Uh, weren't in the top 10 that the committee updated uh, last night. Shoot. So that stinks, because you want to be top 16, then you host the first two rounds. Last yeah. year, BYU did not. They had to go on the road, they lost in the second round. The hope is that you finish strong. You have Kansas in a couple of weeks. That'd be a big game and a big win. Uh, if BYU can win out, uh, certainly I think they have a good argument for top 16. Yes, I, I expect BYU probably to roll in somewhere around the 13 or 14 seed, and they'll host the first two, but what stinks is, if you are that seed, now like you get into the Sweet 16 and you're taking on like a top three team in the country. Right, so Where, mail it in to be lower, is that what you're saying? Well, whereas if you are like nine or 10 and you host and win two, now you're taking on number seven or number eight in a team you're more evenly matched You had a with. chance of that yes. prior to last week. Ah, that's had what they, stings so Had much, they won out, yep. for sure. Check out after further review, seven Eastern tomorrow night on the BYU TV app as the guys break down the Texas game. Look ahead to West. Virginia. It was another wild, unexpected weekend of Big 12 football. Did Jerem take a step forward? It, it'd only be right if you won on your birthday, right? Yeah, it's we'll not up to next. me. This is BYU Sports Nation. It's up to past me. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and Welcome back to Studio B. Happy Halloween. I am Spencer. Sorry, I am Ken. And I'm Alan. <laughs> Don't tell the Kens, I escaped. Alan. I'm Alan. A lot of people think that your doppelganger is Michael Sarah. Is Michael Sarah. Yeah, which I kind of hate. But. <laughs> 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 so funny. I do love Arrested Development. <laughs> There's always money and, in the bananas. And man. Juno. Yeah, all, all of those. Let's roll out your Halloween. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. Let's roll out your Halloween headlines.
BYU head coach Klein Stockett told the media yesterday there's urgency to score more points. It's go time now. You know, it's been go time. And so the way that we've been doing it hasn't been working the way that I want it to. So uh, we have very smart coaches and, and capable players that we can find different ways to, to try to get points on the board. UA at West Virginia on Saturday. Also, the Cougars announced a future series with SMU in football 2024 next year in Dallas, 27 in Provo, and Weber State on the schedule in Provo in 2027 and 2030. Seventh ranked BYU, sorry, yeah, seventh ranked BYU women's soccer, the two seed in the Big 12 tournament, beat Oklahoma 6 0 last night in the hey. quarterfinals of the Big 12 tourney. It was 1 0 at halftime. Yep. Finished 6 0. Bella Felina led the Cougars with a brace, two goals. Olivia Wade Katoa, Ali Fryer, Aaron Bailey, and Ellie Walbrook each scored as well. Up next, UCF, who upset TCU. And so BYU gets UCF in the semis on Wednesday. And then if they win that, you're on to the championship where maybe they get a rematch with Texas Tech. As of now, NCAA women's soccer tournament guru, seeding specialist, RPI guy Chris Henderson projects BYU will indeed be a number one seed. Win the Big 12 tournament, feeling good. BYU women's volleyball fell four spots to number 12 in the latest ABCA coaches poll after back-to-back -back losses at unranked Kansas State last week. Cougars host Cincinnati Friday and Saturday on ESPN+. Kansas State's receiving votes. I still feel really bad about those losses. <laughs> yeah, they weren't, they weren't that Brutal. Yeah. BYU men's golf competing at the Kapolei Invitational in Kapolei, Hawaii. Tournament runs today through Thursday. Oh, the dress is uh, golfers for Halloween. That's cool. And BYU Women's Golf sits in 11th after the opening 36 holes of the Hurricane Invitational on Monday. Lila Nalier is leading the way for the Cougars at one over par, which is good enough for 31st. Uh, the final round of competition is currently being played. Good luck. Those are today's headlines. Now for the opinions in the Cougar Whip Around. Presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Mark Schlebaugh is BYU playing Bowling Green in the Idaho Potato Bowl in his latest bowl projections. Would you rather do that or play in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport against the Power Five? This is going to tell you how much I don't want to go to Shreveport. I would rather BYU play in the Idaho Potato Bowl. One, because it surprisingly was a super fun bowl game for the athletes. Like, they do a really good the job up there. Yes, center. really good job up there with the events and the buildup and the lead up. It's not a great environment because it's cold, but it's a winnable game for BYU. I like that idea. Like, playing a power five in Shreveport, if BYU goes to Shreveport and loses again, I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know, I don't know if I can take that. So I would take the potato bowl against Bowling Green over Shreveport. BYU's not even thrown an incompletion in the potato bowl before. That's how good BYU's been in that bowl game. Good vibes there. In 2018. And uh, they won last time they played Boise State I, up there too. I ain't going to be that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be that picky. I just want BYU in a bowl. I don't really care where. Okay. If they go to Shreveport. Wherever. It is what it is. Let's go. Spuddy buddy. Come on, buddy. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? Where, where'd that go anyway? <laughs> Somewhere. Seventh ranked BYU women's soccer. We just talked about it destroying Oklahoma 6-0 last night. Fifth straight win. BYU's secured four shutouts in those five straight wins. Yep. Jerem, we think they're a number one seed. They're projected as a number one seed. Do you feel like they're playing like a number one seed right now? Absolutely. Their RPI is number two in the country right now. They are one seed material. Just need to, I, I think, at least get to the Big 12 title game. Beat UCF. If you, if you get there, you're in a good spot. If you beat Texas Tech, should that be your opponent, you are a one seed. And then you can host four rounds to get yeah. to the College Cup should you advance. Texas Tech got into a weird game with Cincinnati last night and had to score late to win 2-1. to one. And Chris Henderson made note of that. And 
BYU looks so dominant, just beat UCF. I think if they beat UCF and just get to the final, regardless of what happens in the championship game, they probably sneak in as at least the fourth number one seed. Here's how weird RPI is. Brown is number five, so okay, whatever. Then play buddy. What's your go-to Halloween candy? Well, it's not Almond Joy, although I actually love Almond Joy. Austin hates Almond I like Joy. Almond Joy I like Almond Joy. Go-to candy, like if I, typically if there's just a big bowl of a bunch of different things, I my eyes are naturally drawn to the orange of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go wrong with that. Like I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So that's probably the candy that I would lean into. What about you? Nerds, love nerds. Dude, Dairy Queen used to offer like a blizzard with nerds in it. Oh, so good. They took it away? They took it away. Although I suppose you could just put it in uh, vanilla. <laughs> Just buy some nerds and it, just dump it in. Yeah, just sprinkle it on top of your shake, Let's man. Let's go. Okay, BYU men's basketball has an exhibition tomorrow against Life Pacific. Pre-game, hey, full hour for the exhibition. We're going hard tomorrow. 8 yes. Eastern, game at 9 Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. Can I add Snickers Almond to that conversation too? Snickers Almond? I don't think I've tried that. That's Snickers Almond good. is delicious, but I rarely see it around Halloween. Make it happen, people. Big 12 champions are in Studio B next. Lexi Halliday-Lowry yeah! and Jenna Hutchins. They brought the trophy. The first of many. How did they make it happen? We'll ask them next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's bring in the voice of the Cougars. Greg Rubel joins us in Studio B over in the Cougar Council Room. There's much to discuss, Greg. Not only is it a situation where we're dealing with the new Big 12 football scheduling format that's going to affect BYU for the next four years, but it's also in a way, the tip-off for BYU basketball with an exhibition. So uh, let's Let's also shout out women's soccer, Big 12 tournament time tonight. Semifinals. Amen to that. Yeah. Semifinals UCF. against big UCF. Day. Big day. Granted, I wanted TCU. And women's I wanted hoops. another crack at TCU in soccer, but eh, whatever. Just get to the championship. Let's just go there now. Let's just go to soccer. Let's go to soccer. Are they going to get a one seed? If they win out this week, they will. I think they will. Yeah, yeah I think you so. think they it's need like, to we, win the championship yeah. to Which means the beating UCF tonight and either Texas or Texas Tech on Saturday. Texas Tech is a better RPI game, obviously. Yeah. I, 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 think they, I think if they take home the trophy, and I think they are taking home the trophy, they'll be a one seed next month. And then you can get up to four games at home to the College Cup. That that's, would that's be the formula. awesome. That's the formula. Let's four go. games to the Final Four. Let's that would go. be incredible. A two, so let's say, they lose in the, let's say they beat UCF but lose in the Final, heaven forbid, but... Is that, is that secure in your mind, a two-seed for like BYU? two, and two's three games at home. Which so uh, either way, is going to play a lot of November soccer at Southfield, mm -hmm. and that is huge news. That yeah. is great. Outstanding. Go, yeah. Okay, we got that one out of the way. Check. All right. <laughs> We're good there, and they're playing at a super high level. Uh, you yeah. know what? They're on a roll, and I think oh, they're my. on a mission a bit. A bit of, like 6 nothing or Oklahoma, that's a message sender. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is a team that was arguably the best offense in the country, Two first-teamers, no individual honors in the postseason. Not that that's like the only driving force. They but were chapped I, I, by I, that. I, I think BYU is out to show that we're yes. a lot more than you think we were. Yes. We're a tr and and the, the great thing about BYU and soccer is it's a true team. Mm -hmm. Maybe what held them back a little bit was the fact they're so balanced. It can come from so many different places that there wasn't that one standout every night that was like, wow, three, four goals a week. But that's the beauty of the team is that it's a true team. 
and 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 they're a, 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 a an amazing amazing thing to watch. Yes. Right now. Case yeah. in point, the five different goal scores they had in that six-nil yep. victory. Just wait until the second half. We'll just starters coming from everywhere. It anyway, matter. go Cougs tonight. Okay, on to men's basketball yes. exhibition tonight. We just said what we're hoping to see, which is largely some solid execution. Good three-point shooting. What are you hoping to see from BYU in this exhibition tonight? Well, I, I, I don't know how much you learn from a game like tonight. I think you probably learn more from what they did to Stanford on the weekend. You know, that's really encouraging, the fact that they played that way against a good team. Um, so they already have something in the pocket that says, okay, we got something here. You're not going to see the team we're going to see in a month or two because you're, there will be some guys that won't play tonight. There are some guys coming back from things. So it's not going to be the, the, the full team we're going to see in a while. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's maybe, uh, that might, you know, uh, dim expectations just for the next couple of weeks a little bit because there's some guys I really want to see. Uh, Dawson Baker primarily. And, and the fact that he's not quite ready to go right now is a bummer for me because I think he's going to be one of my favorite players to call this mm -hmm. year. Uh, I, you know, and and uh, the addition of Dawson Baker and Ali Khalifa these are starters. These are big minute guys. Uh, these are um, all conference type guys in their previous leagues. They add to an experienced core, and I think those two guys are going to add a lot. So it's only a, you know, it's only two additions, but I think it's big for what they've been. And although they're not certainly the same guy, you can tell you can look at them like one's not the other, but they do a lot of the same things well. You know, uh, good shooters, good three-point shooters, really good free-throw shooters. Dawson is nails in late-game free-throw situations. That's going to show up at some point this year. Um, and, and I just love what they potentially bring to BYU because of how much they've already had on the floor at their previous schools. To bring in two major-minute starter-type guys, big-number guys to your team is huge. Um, and so we may not see all of them immediately. Dawson's a, a little while away, and Ali's still working his way back. And, uh, and Dallin Hall is still kind of nursing. So this may not be the team yet, okay. but the signs are really encouraging already. Yeah. And you've got an exhibition game. You already have one in pocket, as you mentioned. You can play up to two. One is secret, although not so secret nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and then Monday is the season opener at Houston Christian. But next Friday, we got the national runners-up coming yeah. in. The, hey, football played TCU, national runner-up. BYU playing San Diego State. That's the game where I'm like, okay, we'll start to get an inkling of what BYU is. So in the next kind of week and a half here, what are you hoping to see, not just tonight? Yeah, and I don't know how much we have to put on it because we're not going to still have probably the entire BYU team at that point yet. Um, but uh, on a Friday night in the Marriott Center, um, you know, Marriott Center magic and, and, and get San Diego State playing in a, in a, in a, in a hostile uh, intense environment. Let's just give it a shot and see what happens. But I, I think uh, ultimately it's all about, you know, leading into Big 12 play. It's a really home-heavy schedule, which is good for BYU. I think there's enough wins on there to give yourself a, a, you know, a decent record and a decent resume. And it's all about peaking in, uh, in late December, early January, which I think BYU can do. They should be healthy by then, presuming nothing else happens health-wise in these early games, and, uh, and, and give it a go. But uh, I, I, I hope and I think the team will embrace the specter of um, of, of being overlooked. You know, BYU's not mm -hmm. been that team for years, years yeah. and years. Whatever league they've been in, they've always been a top-tier team in that league. Well, well, now they're not viewed that way. How does BYU embrace that and, and have that kind of uh, become part of their team mindset? And they become suddenly the underdogs, suddenly the, the, the scrappy team, suddenly the team that, uh, you know, can spring the occasional upset. And, 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 and that could be a fun thing to, to, to see how it shapes you know, the composition of this team, how they, how they kind of view themselves that way. Yeah, it's, it's the football team embracing the night. 
and it's the basketball team embracing the underdog role. And right. I think BYU operates well in football that way. I think basketball, yeah. Well, These are I good players good with a good coaching with staff and, 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 and recent success and, and, and years of history. That doesn't just go away because they entered a tougher league. It'll be a bigger grind and a taller task, certainly. But yeah. we expect them to meet the challenge. Yeah. Something to prove for Jackson Robinson. Uh, something to prove for Dawson and Ali and Trevin Nell. Noah Waterman. Spencer uh, I, 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 Noah Waterman has, has yeah. made leaps from, from last year to this year. How does that show up? Mm-hmm. Um, because last year I think he was still kind of finding his way, and, and, and the insides are encouraging from Noah this year already. Uh, the guys you mentioned just there. there there's, a, there's a lot of fun things to anticipate about this team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're – and Mark is leading the charge here. He's putting a lot of value on the continuity because you mentioned only two real newcomers are going to impact the team now, but – the core is back. The strength is experience. Yes, the, the experience strength is experience. Is yeah. back. So you with that in mind, is the target in non-conference play, let's say ten and three, would that be like uh, a good target record coming out of those thirteen non-conference games? Yeah, sure. Double-digit wins is a is a good bar to set. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then when you get into league, you know, uh, what, what what does success look like in the first year in the Big Twelve? Um, in football, I stated that you know, well, success in year one in the Big Twelve would be postseason play. And I think success in year one of the Big 12 in basketball would be postseason play, some kind Amen. of postseason play. Yes. With the new NIT shift, um, let's say, let's say nine, eight or nine Big 12 teams make the, the big dance. Well, the next two, 10 and 11, automatically make the NIT on net, um, and then others are at light. So if you were, you know, uh, if you were something beyond 11 to 14 in that league, you could be playing postseason basketball. Heck yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that, that, that's within reach for BYU. Yeah, find six-plus wins in league, and you yeah. got a great shot at postseason play. Yeah. yeah. Greg Rubel is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's flip over to BYU football as we prognosticate a little bit about what we are hoping to see and what we want to see from the potential Big 12 football scheduling model. Uh, Jeremy and I are in agreement that the pod that BYU, we, we like the pod idea. So okay. we're thinking four, four, four team pods, pods yes. right? Four yeah. fours, yeah. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah and BYU's pod, so you'd see those teams every year. You'd you, think that would be a, a pod, yeah. Do yeah. you differ from that idea at all? Like, are you in favor of divisions over pods? What do you want no, to No, I, 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 I wouldn't mind if it's one big league with no divisions, but scheduling pods I'm in favor of. So if, if that is the four-team pod, BYU, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, that's one pod. You could have a Texas pod. Mm-hmm. You could have a Midwest pod, which includes Colorado. And then you have an Eastern pod, which could include Iowa State. Um, there's some differentiation whether, whether Colorado or Iowa State ends up moving or Houston could be part of an Eastern pod. But either way, I like that. I, I think if you had a four-team Texas pod, the four-team Utah-Arizona pod, the Midwestern pod, which is the two Kansases, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Colorado, but Iowa State with Cincy, UCF, and West Virginia. And now you could play your three uh, pod mates every year, and then you play two from each of the other three pods every year. And then alternate that the and next alternate. year. So, yeah, yeah so, so that, those, those are your nine games. And, and that way I think it would spread it around pretty evenly. Hans was telling me in the postgame, you know, he's a little bit sad because he's afraid that, you know, like our trip to Morgantown this weekend, how many more of these will we get? you know, based on the rotation, because uh, one of the beauties of, of the Big 12 is the new venues and the new sites and the new sounds and, and the new fan bases. And, and I'm just really, I've never been to Morgantown in my life. And I'm, I'm looking forward, I hope it's not, you know, one of only a couple of times I get to do it. So I want to see them still kind of stay on a regular rotation, however that works out. Sure. But th- I, I've loved the Big 12 so far. That, I, I yeah. just love the novelty of it. It's been fantastic. That pot idea would guarantee BYU a home game against every Big 12 team at least once every four years and a road game every against four every years. Big 12 yes. once every four years. Yes. So, 
so in the cycle of the average athlete, you got at least one opportunity in every school. To see everybody. Which would be awesome. Yeah. If they vary a lot from what we just discussed, I will be surprised. I, I think it that just makes sense. It seems to make a lot of sense, sense. Right? right? Yes. Yeah. And, and much as the basketball, you've already got the basketball formula figured out. Um, how many teams you'll play. I, I think they're in a pretty good spot at 16. Yeah. Who knows whether Brett Yormark's going to hang there for a while or not, but <laughs> it feels good right now for the moment. Does Gonzaga enter? Does UConn? Yeah. Like, who knows, right? right? But in men's hoops, yeah, we know 20 uh, conference games next year up from 18. Yeah. All right, let's finish with this. Uh, we've been asking all of our guests recently what their opinion is on the most winnable game remaining on BYU's schedule. And Oklahoma and Oklahoma State feel like juggernauts right now, so everyone's kind of leaning towards West Virginia or Iowa State. Where do you fall in that conversation? Yeah, we'll go Iowa State home because it is a home game at 8:15 in, in November, um, and and Iowa State, although they've shown really well, I, I think that's probably the most vulnerable. So you uh, you handicap at Iowa State, uh, then West Virginia, and then to me. Um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma are almost sixes right now because uh, one may be better than the other, but you're getting one at home. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I kind of go T3 on those, tie for third on, on the last one. Um, Oklahoma losing to Kansas probably changes my opinion a little bit there. Had they swept through and still be undefeated, I'd put Oklahoma as the toughest game. But I think Oklahoma State, the way they look right now, and playing in Stillwater to end the year, uh, there's a lot happening on that night. So it'll be tough. But I, I think uh, these next two weeks, I think BYU – finds a way. If they're going to get bowl eligible, it's going to happen probably in these next two weeks. Yep. And, and, and then if not, then you set yourself up for a Herculean task in the yes. final two weeks. But uh, I love the fact that there's intrigue, that there's suspense, there's drama, there's bowl games in play, and, and it's all happening at a really high level. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Dan Hawk? This is Big 12 football, brother. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, this, is, this is what it is. We had him on the yeah. show a few years ago, and yeah, we talked about the intramurals thing. It's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, thanks for the time, man. Always a we'll, pleasure. Uh, we'll see you. You know where to find me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes you know. indeed. Yeah. In the office and in the Marriott Center yeah. tonight, because BYU is playing live Pacific and men's hoops. we got pregame on BYU TV at 8 Eastern. The game is on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Here, Greg, call that game as well at 9 Eastern. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on the socials, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. It's time for your November 1st headlines because it's November. BYU football plays at West Virginia Saturday night. Jay Hill dressed as Austin Powers talking to the media. Yeah, baby. Discussing the challenge of playing the dynamic Mountaineer offense. Well, I think they're for sure one of the best O-lines we've faced this year, if not the best O-line that we've faced. Uh, the scheme is creative, it's complicated, uh, it causes you issues in matching up and needing to be very assignment sound. Uh, there's a reason why they run the ball well and uh, why they lead the league in time of possession right now. So we got we to gotta do a great job being assignment sound, matching up what they do and not losing our eyes in the run game. He looks like I, he needs to run a London nightclub. Yeah, I, I didn't hear a word he said there. Also, Jacob Robinson won a 15 semifinalist. Yeah, baby! For the Jim Thorpe Award, given to the best defensive back in college football. He's tied for sixth in the country with four picks this year. And he helps people out. Jay's smiling. Teeth are way too good <laughs> yeah. to be Austin Powers. Vikings head coach. He's seen a dentist in the last decade. Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota Vikings head coach, said yesterday that 
The Vikings plan to start our guy Jaron Hall this Sunday against Tyler Algier and the Falcons. How about that? The Vikings did trade for Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs yesterday, who has started every game for Arizona so far this season. So maybe it's just Jaron for a game or two, and then Josh Dobbs comes in once he gets his feet wet in Minnesota. We'll see. But for now, BYU is going to have two starting quarterbacks in the league two and a half. this Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, if you count Taysom Hill, yeah, two and a half. half yeah. But Jerem, in terms of starting quarterbacks from the same school in the league right now, it's a list of four schools. I like okay? that. BYU is one of those four schools with the likes of like, you know, Alabama and Clemson. There's a like, notable school that doesn't have any starting uh, now. So it's go. unbelievable. UA Men's Hoops plays its lone public exhibition tonight against Live Pacific. Pre-game as mentioned on BYU TV at 8 Eastern. The game is on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 9 Eastern. There's not too many we get, right? Because of ESPN Plus and whatnot. We're still, we're still doing the games on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, but tonight it's on the mothership, aka BYU TV. BYU women's basketball opening their season against Westminster. From Salt Lake City, not from England. Okay, tonight in an exhibition sure? game, <laughs> 5 Eastern, live on BYU TV. You can listen to it as well on BYU Radio. Hey, you and Kristen are calling that. You guys oh. are going hard today. Number three, uh, rather number seven, women's soccer, who is the two seed in the Big 12 tournament, plays UCF tonight, semifinals of the conference tournament. 8 Eastern on Big 12, now on ESPN+. Cougs beat UCF in the regular season finale. 3-2 scored all three goals in the first half. Cougars win. They play the winner of Texas and Texas Tech on Saturday. And this is moved to Austin because bad weather in Round Rock. You know, it's funny. I, I was wondering. We were next to the soccer stadium on Saturday when we found out about the flood. Yeah, it's right next and to I, DK. I thought, yeah. you know, they could just play right over here. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, and that's where the outdoor track national championships were held as well. Sure. BYU men's cross country holding steady at number three in the latest USTF CCCA poll after finishing second at the Big 12 Championships. While the women, not surprisingly, rose one spot to number three after winning the Big 12 and BYU's first ever Big 12 title in the athletics department. Up next for both teams, NCAA Regionals next week in Lubbock. Men's golf is in eighth place after round one at the Kapolei Invitational in Hawaii, led by Zach Jones, who's tied for third at six under par. Round two is later today. Zach Jones can play on the PGA Tour. Mark it down. I'm telling you, nice. he will play nice on the shot. PGA Tour. Cool. BYU women's golf finished in 10th place in the Hurricane Invitational in Coral Gables, Florida. Cougars top finisher, Lily Denunzio, who shot one over par and tied for 26th. And Jacques Dunyan and Bobo Huang of BYU Women's Tennis play in the first round of the ITA National Fall Championships today in San Diego, discovered by the Germans. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Football tweeted, Happy Halloween, Cougs, with the image Embrace the Night of an Intense Cosmo. This is a phrase that Kalani Satake used on Monday. Has the team embraced the night Finally, the narrative that we have been pushing. Fully. Non, uh, annoying. They have gone all in. <laughs> Fully embraced. Welcome. And frankly, Welcome. I feel validated that <laughs> Kalani chose to use that phrase and then the social media accounts led by Dave Broberg opted to follow that up with Cosmo as a hooded character. Welcome. Embrace tonight. Yes. Welcome. It is what it is right now. And you know what? For the next two weeks, BYU has night games. So let's go. Yeah. There's a good chance that BYU is probably going to have a night game against Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We'll see. So for now, yes, embrace the night all together. When you win the last 21 games with no daylight, it's too weird not to embrace. Let's go. So put your arms around it. 
ESPN's Pat McAfee and his show will be doing a college football version of NFL Red Zone on Saturday night. Now, if you're not familiar with this, basically it's the most exciting play from every college football game, and they're just taking you to and from those most exciting moments instantaneously. No commercials, no punts. It's just crazy, awesome, exciting college football all the time. Would you watch college football's version of this, Jerem? No, because I'll be calling the Cincinnati women's volleyball match. Yeah. I'm not going to be watching I would if I was at home. Yeah, absolutely. Just a a general college football fan? Yeah. Although Pat didn't do BYU any favors uh, last week, so I, I don't know. Well, he didn't, and we're taking on his Mountaineers this week. So Pat's on the other side of this BYU-West Virginia matchup as a Mountaineer alum. Yeah, stop playing that card. Come on. RG3 tweeted the following about the Vikings. The loss of Kirk Cousins is huge for the Vikings. There's no arguing against that. They just traded for Arizona QB Josh Dobbs. That doesn't change my belief in Jaron Hall. Okay. I called the number of his games at BYU, and his ability to make plays with his arms and legs was a sight to see. Hall replaced Zach Wilson at BYU, was drafted number two overall by the Jets. Even though everyone in Provo loved Zach Wilson and was fully committed to the Cougars, Jaron Hall won them over. With so many offensive weapons at his disposal, maybe Hall can win over the Vikings coaches, players, and fan base as well. Do you believe in Jaron Hall as much as RG3? Yes, I believe in Jaron Hall. And Kevin O'Connell, more importantly, believes in Jaron Hall, which is why he elevated Jaron Hall to number two in the quarterback depth chart basically a month ago. He said, he's been playing well. I like what he's doing. We're going to elevate him over Nick Mullins Mullins and make him the second string quarterback behind Kirk Cousins. So as much as I love what RG3 said, I'm more excited that the head bowl coach in Minnesota believes in Jaron Hall. So yeah, I I believe in Jaron Hall as much as RG3. I'm more excited about what his head coach said about him saying, you are the backup if Kirk gets hurt. How much does he believe in him if, if he brought in Josh Dobbs, though? Because Nick Mullins will be available in the next week or two. So I have a question there. But excited for Jaron's opportunity. Vikings certainly not the Jets. And uh, as a rookie, I hope Jaron has more success uh, in offensive line protection than Zach did. What's interesting is the Jets actually have a better record than Minnesota right now, which is wild, right? Crazy. They four and three defense. and four and four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check out Cougar Pregame Live on Saturday, 5 Eastern, ahead of BYU in West Virginia on BYU Radio. After the break, the one and only Kristen Kozlowski, the greatest basketball player in Beaumont High School history, previews BYU women's basketball and their season next. This is BYU Sports Day. Did you know she scored like 49 points in the game? Maybe it was more than that. I thought it was 60. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, the Big 12 scheduling model for the next four football seasons will be released today. What do we all want the schedule to look like and how often do we want BYU to play Utah and the other new Big 12 teams? Plus, it's, in the words of Jerem Jordan, a ball night. We'll discuss what we expect and hope from BYU in tonight's exhibition matchup. We'll preview the men and women's basketball seasons with Greg Rubel and Kristen Kozlowski. And BYU football embraces the idea of the Night Cougs, the social media post that puts its arms around the idea. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy November as the crossover begins between basketball and football. 
Yes, it is November 1st. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who is always groovy, baby, Jerem Jordan. Jay Hill dressed as Austin Powers and did media availability yesterday, which is pretty awesome. Well played, Jay. Yeah. Are you a, um, hey, it's November 1st, we put up Christmas stuff, or are no. you Black Friday? I am, I'm kind of somewhere here's, in between. Here's Jay Hill yesterday. Yeah, you look at yeah. Jay. Yeah, baby! This has to be a title as Weber State Days, right? Like the oh, an there. excuse to wear purple. Right. Oh, well played, Jay. Yeah, come on. With Eddie Heckard and sure. uh, Camden Garrett and the boys. No, he. I mean, he's he's dressed up. He's as pretty as a Christmas tree right there. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, I so I'm like not November like 15th? strict. You can only do it after Thanksgiving Day. But I am certainly not the day after Halloween. Like, yeah, let's throw up all the Christmas decorations. Are you? Uh, yeah, we're... I like to have Christmas decorations up. Um, and have like a holiday feel during Thanksgiving. So maybe like the week before Thanksgiving. I just like to see some lights okay. and just kind of have that uh, yeah. holiday feel in yeah. my home. Are you Christmas, um, you know, music now or do you wait as well? Is it all like, is it a package deal? No, it's separate. That's a good question. Oh, it's separate, it's but separate equal. For me. I like, I just like Christmas lights and the ambiance of like a holiday decorated home. Yeah. But Christmas music, I... I typically do not listen to Christmas music until starting on Thanksgiving Day. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're Jesus all year round, but we're Christmas specifically closer to Thanksgiving. So let it be written. Yeah. And I like to joke, hey, every night is family night and every day is Mother's Day in my house as well. <laughs> Mother's Day is once a year, but every day is Mother's Day. Woo. That's an interesting take on the expectations for Mother's Day every day. So I hope you're It lessens uh, the need yeah. for that one day. I'll tell you that. It's all year round, baby. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that said, let's have a groovy edition. Rise and shout. Yeah, baby! Of what's trending. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Rumor has it, Jeremy. Rumor has it. Actually, it's not a rumor. It's, it's going to happen. Reason. Yeah. There are reports out that the Big 12 conference scheduling model for the next four seasons will be revealed. Yeah, Max Olson. We yeah, think probably. within that, that we'll know what BYU's schedule is going to look like. At least the teams are going to play next year, right? It could be the next four years, bro. Whoa. Like, it, it, we expect at least... Next year. Okay, so as you mentioned, Max underscore Olsen on X saying the Big 12 is expected to unveil its football scheduling model for 2024 through 2027 on Wednesday afternoon. No specific time given there, but Max we Olsen care about, of The Athletic is reporting. We care about night games. Do we care about afternoon releases? Like, how specific are we going to get here? I don't know. <laughs> I think we can cut it off at uh, the games and when they kick. Noon to 5.59. We expect it. So we're going to play a little bit of pregame schedule prognosticating here. Yeah, we love a schedule more than the actual games. Don't forget that around here. <laughs> what are you hoping this four-year scheduling model looks like yeah. and how it will impact BYU through 2027? There's nothing clean here about 16 teams and uh, divisions and pods and who you're playing. There's nothing like... Nice and cut and dry. So let me tell you my sort of uh, scheduling principles I'm hoping okay. apply. All right. The BYU plays Utah every year, obviously. Uh, Protect I, the rivalry. I would, I would be fine if they come out and say, hey, play Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona every year as well. That those five compete in four games against each other every year. Five other games 
I would love to play everybody in the league at least once every other year. And then I want BYU to host and to go to every team in the league every uh, four years. You're guaranteed a home game against every team in the league once every four years. Yes. That way, in the cycle of the average student uh, athlete, athlete, that's uh, amazing, as bench warmers told us, that, that assuming they don't transfer, like that they, yeah, one time I went to every school in the Big 12. Yeah. Like, I just think that'd be cool. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. Like, do they need to go to 10 games at some point? Would they be the first Power 5 to do that? I don't know. But I, I'm excited just to play Utah every year. I am interested to see specifically if they will give Utah the home game. They should. In this. I hope they don't. They should, uh, but they, but they, yeah, well, we hope they, they don't. probably will. But it'd be awesome if Utah was back-to-back in Provo in that series. Uh, you know, and, and if BYU plays West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma State, TCU next year, those would be home games. If they play Baylor, Iowa State, uh, Cincinnati, we think that those would be road. So we'll see. With, like, UCF, Kansas State, and Houston, TBD, last game with Houston, obviously BYU played there in 2020, but it was kind of a one-off. So I, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we have the three non-conference games for next year now, and we're going to get the conference games we think this afternoon. Yeah. Um, we'll see, man. I, I just want to explore the league on the reg and play uh, the rival and regional rivals. We, BYU and Arizona and Arizona State and, and Colorado. Cal, Colorado is super interesting, obviously, with Dion. Once Dion leaves, not as interesting, but still kind of – we. We don't have a relationship with the buffs. Just I, I, stay through next year so we can interview you. Yeah, Dion. At Big 12 football media yes, days, Dion. We, we want that. Uh, I think he will. They didn't have a good enough year for him to they truly not make a bowl bounce, game. right? Yeah, nice 3-0 start. Um, but th- those are some of my thoughts. I, I think it, I'm not going to complain a ton no matter what because BYU is in a Power 5 league and made the cut, yeah. at least for now. Like, when – uh, things change. Hopefully, BYU is on the in crowd, and I think they will. Let's enjoy the ride through the uh, current abs- TV contract, absolutely. right? Our hopes and <laughs> ideals. Maybe not even that. <laughs> like two, three, five years. Uh, who knows? Our hopes and ideals for a conference scheduling model are nearly identical. Yeah. In fact, we should just run for political office when it comes to scheduling Big 12 games. We're almost Linton Jordan 2024. Yeah. Yeah. United together in the scheduling format. You agree on those I things? Think I think the mentioned? pod format is okay. the way to go. Yeah. And I didn't even mention my pods, but you just saw them on the screen. Though they might be I, – I wasn't looking close enough. They might be like a team or two different. It's the same that we discussed a couple months yes. ago. Yes. Yeah. I've got a West pod, yeah, what do you have a Plains pod, a yeah. Texas pod, and an East pod. You can call the West pod the Mountain pod if you want. Yeah. But BYU, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. So BYU would play those three teams every year. Mm-hmm. And then like you – you get two of the four teams in each of the other pods on your schedule every year, thus setting up That's the, opportunity, the yeah. opportunity to play every team in the Big 12 at least every other year. Yeah, why not? So three in your pod and then two, two, two. And Gonzaga. Pods. Just kidding. Okay? With that said, you get, like we discussed, every team in the Big 12 in your home stadium at least once every four years. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And initially, I think I had in that East pod, Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF. And I actually had some Kansas fans and some Iowa State fans and some Kansas State fans say, no, 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 no. You can't do this. because it's They have a, to be together? His, there's too much history, too much yeah. rivalry between Iowa and Kansas so what do you and do, Kansas State. What do you do with the three out there? So who, Oklahoma who State would be there? the team because they have no true rival anymore. Oh, okay. 
So Oklahoma State then moves into that East pod with Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF because the history and the rivalries are apparently more intense and more severe between Iowa and Kansas and Kansas State. That's good to know. Teach us. We're new new in this neighborhood. Yes, Colorado would fit into that Plains division as well. They would play Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State every year because it's a very, very short trip from – the front range in Boulder over into Kansas and up to Ames. But it's not a short trip from the airport in Denver to anywhere. <laughs> That's what we know. An hour outside of the actual city. <laughs> what in the world? And that weird horse with the orange eyes that greets you at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've taken I, it one I like step. The, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I've taken it yeah. one step further. Let's I have do compiled, it. and this is in no specific order as far as dates go, but I've compiled what I believe a 2024 BOA football schedule would look like with mm. this format in place. If, if, they, if Brett listened to your mind. So let's take a what, look at What this. do you have here? Okay, so we've got the three non-conference games that we know of. Yep. Southern Illinois, at SMU, no, at Wyoming. No dates. Yeah, no dates Except here. for the two Southern yes. Illinois and Wyoming. Okay, so out of that Plains pod, BYU has Kansas and Kansas State because BYU did not play Kansas State this year. Okay? Yeah. So bring the Kansas teams in. The BYU Sunflower did not State, play Houston. Baby. BYU did not play Baylor, so those are the teams from the Texas pod that would come into the schedule. Yep. BYU would still play Oklahoma State as well, mm-hmm. and UCF from the East pod. Okay, because BYU is going to Oklahoma State, I think they deserve a home game in Provo this upcoming season. And they got to have some long like, road trip at Cincinnati, West Virginia, or UCF, which yes. they're already doing West Virginia. Okay, so okay. UCF in Provo, and then you get your three teams from your Mountain pod or your West pod, where you play at Arizona State, and then you host Arizona, and they probably play at Utah. But that's, that's, I think that's that could kind happen. of the schedule that I believe BYU will see in 2024. Yeah, with no dates. Uh, although, uh, qu- question there slash thought. Last three games, should you always play your pod? Like you play the regional rivals to end the year. That would I think be fun. That could be interesting. That would be fun. I don't know that it's going to work out that cleanly, but that's a fun idea. The league can dictate that. I think rivalry weekend should absolutely be BYU Utah every year. One million percent. Yeah, if it's, let's if it's put not it back where it used to be. Yeah. Yes. If it's not after Thanksgiving, at least the week before Thanksgiving. But the Big Twelve doesn't do Bedlam that way. That's this week. Yeah. I don't weird. understand why. It's like the final BYU one. is playing Oklahoma State the week that Oklahoma State should be playing Oklahoma. Yes. Granted, I don't know when they've played that game traditionally. Maybe it's like we always play first week of November. Okay, there's the, the Colton Potter, our producer, saying they always play first week of November. Okay, whatever Bedlam is always the first. Week whatever of that tradition is, uh, stick with it, right? But yeah, BYU played Arizona and Arizona State in the whack a lot. This is a rivalry that goes back 60 years. Now, yes. at the time, it was not a rivalry. BYU stunk. Arizona State was the power. Arizona has Arizona ever been good at football? Like, they're I, pretty good this year, actually. They're doing, they're doing all right. Not uh, since 2012 when they played Boise State in the Fiesta Bowl. It's been a while since they've actually been good. 14, yes. 14, oh, 14, that's yes. right. Yes, Arizona won their division and uh, you know, went to the Pac-12. Yeah, they had a, they had a good year that year, absolutely. Um, they've ne- I think they're the only Pac-12 team never to go to the Rose Bowl. Um, and that's a weird stat, right? Let's go, Wildcats. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, what you presented looks great to me. Like, if they came out and said, yeah, this is, this is it, that'd be great. I I'm excited to know, like, are we going to know the SMU? Are we going to know dates today, or will it just be opponents? I I tend to lean toward just opponents. Because TV will sort of dictate whether that's a Saturday or Friday or Thursday or whatever. Okay. Granted, we found out the 2023 schedule. They gave you dates. They just didn't give you times. And those dates could change. Like, oh, this is flexed into Friday. This week. Or what if ESPN already knows? Yeah, we want BYU and TBD team on a Friday conference weekend in Provo. Sure. I just, I mean, I, asked for that. So I throw together that schedule, and it just 
It got me very excited about the prospect of a 16-team yeah. Big 12 and, like, like having teams like Kansas come back to Provo and Oklahoma State in Provo. and Just new. Yes. Who are you? Welcome. Fun. Uh, food drive on the road. St- book drive. Like, all the stuff the BYU alumni are doing. Absolutely. I love I, it. One of my best friends growing up lives in Iowa. He is one of the most excited people about BYU in the Big 12. There are a lot of people like him that are stoked that soccer, volleyball, basketball, football, they're going to these places they have not. Like, we are going back to places we crossed mm-hmm. in the pioneer days and, and visiting again, which is kind of fun history here. Our question of the day is related to what we've just been talking about, the scheduling model in the Big 12 rumors or, sorry, reports are from Max Olson of The Athletic that the schedule model for the next four years will be released sometime this afternoon. So, Let's with go. that said, besides Utah – because we know that most yeah. of you want to see Utah. I know some of you are like, no, I never want them on the schedule again. Hey, have you gone through the five stages of grief properly? Like, have you have come you to acceptance? Have you Shep. finally come to acceptance? Shep, are you over it? Okay. <laughs> Besides Utah, who would you like BYU to play the most in the new 16-team Big 12? Nate yeah. Kennedy on X answers. Arizona State. There's one of your other regional yeah. rivals. Yeah, yeah, old black rival. I think that could blossom quickly into a big rivalry. Plenty of Cougar fans down here in the Valley, so Nate's from the Valley of the Sun to fill up Sun Devil Stadium. Arizona is the, uh, it's not so hidden, but the the sort of gem of BYU fans. Like, the fact that Arizona and Arizona State are going to be in the same league, that is awesome. Like, they show up at GCU when men's volleyball goes there. That that is a team in Arizona in a league with BYU. It's the new home away from home for BYU, Arizona. Absolutely, yeah. Walter Peterson on X answers, Baylor. Mm -hmm. They have an amazing fan base. Yep. And my wife wants an excuse to go to Waco to see Magnolia Farms. Didn't go in 21, you can go again or go for a second time. And if I can make that trip a two-for-one to see BYU play, I'll do it. It's Dr. Pepper, it's Magnolia Dr. Lane. Pepper Museum is yeah, awesome. All, yeah, my wife's done that. I've not been there to see it quite yet. All but, right. Uh, yeah. Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Which team besides Utah do you want BYU to see on the schedule regularly in the new Big 12 scheduling format? But wait, I thought Utah was going to the Big 10, Spence. Topic two. What do you hope to see out of BYU men's hoops tonight in the exhibition game against Life Pacific? Two things specifically. Number one, because Mark Pope has been harping on this for months now, is how good of a three-point shooting team BYU is. I want to see BYU shoot the three well. And let's constitute that with a number. You want to see volume? 38% or better. Okay. That's what I want to see from BYU in an exhibition on their home floor yeah. as a team. I want to see 38% or better from the three-point line led by game one. my Just... sharpshooter, the guy who shares my name, Spencer Johnson. That dude was unbelievable from the three-point line last 46%. year. 46% Amazing. as a team. Jackson Robinson has been shooting the ball well, according to multiple staffers and teammates, and has really taken that next step. So that's number one. I just want to see him shoot the ball well yep. on your home floor in an exhibition, okay? Make 12 threes. Win by 40. I think they're going to shoot 40, so I need 15. <laughs> yeah, you need 15 well, like, I need. I think they're going to shoot more than anything. Yeah, I was like – Thinking, yeah, how many? 12 for, what, 31 or something like that would be like 38%, 12 for 30? More. You want more, more volume. Moss. Okay. Live Moss. The second thing I am hoping to see is, well, I know we're going to see Ali Khalifa on the floor, but I want to see everything that we've been told about him. I want to see some dimes from Ali Khalifa. I want to see the offense running through that big man and his passing ability and just some precision there. I know what I'm going to get from Foose. 
I don't know what I'm going to get from Ali Khalifa. I want to see how he fits into the offense, and I hope it's precise and that the chemistry is there, even though he's a new piece. That's tricky there. Right? And we're learning this from football. When you have so many new moving parts from the transfer portal, it can take a long time to just gel and get, get right. Is basketball easier than football in that way? I, I feel like Maybe it, because I feel there like are fewer. It might be, yeah, fewer people, fewer sort of, I need you to do this for me to do this. Like Ali Khalifa doesn't need a whole offensive line to succeed for him <laughs> to get a bucket, right? He can just do it himself. Um, on, on the low block. He's or not make, reliant on the offensive line like he just Slovis is. Just needs a good cutter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want precise basketball, Jeremy. I just don't want to see sloppy basketball because yeah. Mark, Mark has also said, yeah. we've been together for a while now. Like, we're growing old together. Like, we've been around each other. There's Took a the lot of guys year, that have, that have been around each other yeah. for a while. Even with the new pieces, yeah. we know each other well. So It's I only two see, new pieces. I want to see precision and execution and good three-point shooting. Yeah. My, Marcus Adams Jr., um, you know, is still getting healthy. They're still waiting on a waiver. So put him you know, over here, Ali Khalifa and Dawson Baker, you know, Dawson uh, trying to play through uh, an injury a little bit, get healthy, uh, you know, so it's Trevin Nell's back, so you can count him as a new piece. That's part uh, of the three-point shooting. Of. But no injuries, yeah, shoot the ball well, but also just remember that BYU ain't showing much the next two games, so uh, they're going to they're gonna try and explode against San Diego State next Friday, mm-hmm. the national runner-up. They're not going to show everything the first Exhibition or first game on Monday against Houston Christian. Used to be known as Houston Baptist. Uh, that is the season opener. So, I don't know that we're going to learn a ton, but it would be fun if BYU shot a bunch of threes and made a bunch of threes. Well, sure. just shoot the ball well, right? And Because if you can't shoot it well against Life Pacific, how are you going to shoot it well against Oklahoma State in March? You know, that's the idea. But it's one basketball game. Nobody get hurt. Play fluid. Show us a little bit. Move on to Monday. Yes, amen to that. No yeah. injuries. Mostly, I just want Mark and what he's been saying to be validated. Like, I want BYU to show that so he can be we're gonna like, need see? Some, We're like, going to need some time. Let's say BYU makes all 43s they shoot tonight. It doesn't mean <laughs> jack squat. It just doesn't. Sorry. They made, what, 20 last year in an early season game? Yeah. 23s in a game, which is the program best. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. What, whatever happens tonight, don't look into it too much. Okay. If you, granted, if you are going to shoot cold, and that means you're going to play well against San Diego State and shoot well against San Diego State, fine. Get all the misses out now. Fine. Fine. <laughs> But I am hoping to see it. BYU shoots like 8% from three. We will read into that. But I'm saying don't read into anything. All right. (laughs) Basketball basketball is happening tonight in the Marriott Center. Which is exciting. But football is also happening Saturday. Don't forget, Saturday, 5 Eastern time. We got you for BYU Send Game Day. Harvey Long ain't going to be a guest analyst this week. Saturday, 5 Eastern on BYU TV. Joining us next. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, hey. helps us preview this men's basketball season, and he offers some insight into the scheduling format as well. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Austin Colley is one of the best in the nation at this. Here comes the pressure. Hall gets it away. Colley's got it. Austin Colley is gone. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, when you're Austin Colley, you're, you're, getting, you're getting... Is this our first shirtless guest on BYU Sports Nation? This is, this is 10 years of uh, just diet soda and <laughs> dump, dump, dump for donuts right here. 
<laughs> Shout out to Dumper Donuts. Shout out to Dumper Donuts so and Diet Coke. How much of this was already, uh, you know, in the house versus you had to acquire? The entire thing. This is my wife's coat. <laughs> Shout out to Anthropology. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank Welcome you. to the Mojo Dojo Casa Studio, yeah, bro. No question, bro. <laughs> this is. I never legit. thought when this show started, I never thought we'd have this moment. But, but right. here we are, right? Well, right? who here did? Yeah. Who would have yeah. ever thought? I didn't think we'd have this moment last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yet yeah, you you played the part, man. We're here. You showed up. You're such a gamer. I'm, 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 I'm game time decision. <laughs> I love it. it. Austin Collie is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Happy Halloween, everyone. You, you've made my you're, day. You're Knuff. You, you are Knuff. Thank, Thank you. And you got the Jordan memo, too. Let's I go, did get the man. Jordan memo. I do like yours a little bit better, though. Oh, and all oh, my good. shoes are Jordans in here. And I love how you yeah. kept the stock X tag on there so everyone knows that they're authenticated they're le- they're and, <laughs> and real. <laughs> Love that. Is that, is that and just in case you want to resell them after. Somebody, well, a student told me, they're like, do not cut that off. And I was like, I'm not supposed to cut it off? They're like, no, don't cut it off. I'm like, okay. Don't cut it off. I won't cut the stuff. Had that tag not been on there, I would have said that's a, those are fake. That's a DHgate purchase. Right <laughs> Where'd you get those? Wish? Yeah. StockX for the win. All right, Austin. Um, if you can channel your Kennergy here. Yes. Okay. We've been discussing what is Knuff for BYU football. So when you examine the BYU football team as a whole, what automatically stands out as, okay, that portion of BYU football is Knuff? Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know how serious anybody's going to take me right now. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think the defense is continuously getting better, right, which is awesome to see. I think the, the, uh, their game plan seems to continue to develop. They are super lean in the secondary, but they're still – creating turnovers, which is awesome, yeah. right? Especially as we're getting in, you know, into heavier Big 12 play, we're going to need turnovers. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the defense has been doing their job. I, I think they've been given every opportunity to the offense um, to score. I think last week against Texas, we had every opportunity to be in that game to actually win that game. I don't think Texas was as good as advertised, um, and I think that's a large part due to the defense. The offense certainly uh, needs to carry a little more for BYU to have a chance to win more than, say, one game in the Final Four. Granted, one game would probably be enough, let's be honest. Just get to a bowl game. What do you think they need to do to, to create enough offense? Because we're not asking them to be world beaters right, right now. We're asking for them to do enough, and hopefully the defense can create some turnovers because that is the formula. So I've, I've been saying this forever, right? And I think you, if you talk, to, you talk to Dennis, you talk to John Beck, you talk to I- I- any of us, right? The one thing that we'd like to see a little bit more of is just quick game concepts, allowing Keaton to kind of get into a rhythm, right? There is something to be said about building confidence, finding ways for Keaton to have confidence. And, and now more than ever, Keaton needs as much confidence as he can get, right? Yes. Um, and, and so creating a little bit more of a, uh, a deeper quick game package, but then also telling Keaton, yo, Keaton, trust your eyes, man, right? What you see, take it. Right. Um, and, and, and trust the fact that, hey, listen, there might be a turnover, too. But the last thing we need is, is for you to you know, hold on to the ball. I, I think the ball needs to come out of Keen's hand a little bit quicker. But uh, I, I, I said this last week, man, I, I think there's you can't point at one thing in this offense and say that is the problem. Right. Or that's the reason why we're not having any production on the field. I think there are a variety of different areas that, that need to improve. And riddle me this. How long is the leash on on Slovis this week if there are struggles like last week? Um, listen, I, I, I love Keenan. I think he's a great quarterback, right? I, I think 
if you if you say again, you can't point to Keaton and say Keaton is the problem. Keaton is not just the problem, right? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that go on behind closed doors uh, in an offense, things that we don't pick up or don't see because maybe we don't know the exact concept. But I can guarantee you, there's a uh, a handful of errors that are being made. As a matter of fact, I do know that at least at the wide receiver position, right? Um, you you get new guys in, and that's kind of the I, I'd probably say that the other side of the fence, the one side of the fence is you get new players, you get new talent, right? You get a mix-up in the roster, um, get explosiveness, but then on the other side, it's, well, they have to learn a new playbook, right? And they only have a short time to do so. So, uh, you know, they, there are have been errors on the offensive side of the ball, and that also hurts a quarterback's trust. If guys aren't where they need to be, that's going to create problems in the offense, going to create problems in the passing game. So you can't just say, okay, Keaton's, you know, Keaton's not excelling or performing to what the expectation is, so he needs to go. It's, it's like I said, it's fundamentally across the board, right? The line needs to block a little bit better. I shouldn't say a little bit, but they need to block better, right? Yes, give them a straight little, up. Give straight them a little up. bit more protection, right? Yeah. And again, I think that's assignment sound and what's been, uh, yeah, what's been happening on the practice day today. Austin Cully is on BYU Sports Nation on a Halloween edition. Now, Kalani is with you. He was asked, like, are you considering making a quarterback change after the game? And he said, how about we just protect Keaton a little bit better? Yeah. How about we do that yeah. and then see what happens? And then if Keaton doesn't perform and we're protecting him well, then we can maybe go down that path. But he's riding with Keaton into West Virginia, and it's a night game, Austin. Have you bought fully into this whole BYU plays better at night thing, or are you still hesitant to really go there emotionally? Listen, I, I didn't want to, but I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in with a night game, right? <laughs> Which is why, I, you know, I, I, I got BYU winning this one, right? I and mean, the next one. Right? It, uh, yeah, Iowa State, games. 8-15. Right? We, we, we'll we, take one win. We just need one. We just need one, right? Yeah. We're on to the next one, thinking about the next game. If we can get this one, that'll be great. But it is, uh, it's in our favor, the fact that we're playing tonight. We take it two games at a time here, Austin. So uh, <laughs> we're going to win the next two weeks. What What is the most winnable game of the next two weeks, in your opinion? Is it Iowa State because it's home, or is it West Virginia because they're not as good as Iowa State, but still pretty stinking good? They took it to UCF. Um, that's a that's a that's a tough one. I I would say probably the next one, West Virginia, right? Like hopefully hopefully we get like a, a an overcorrection from last week, right? Everybody's a little bit more on their game. We're dialed in. I mean, the harsh wake up call. Exactly. Same thing that happened at TCU, right? Um, and and we're playing at night. Iowa State. Like I I would love to say we're going to win these next four, right? But uh, Iowa State's what second in the league right now. Like they're a great football team. They're yes, tied for first. In fact, Iowa Absolutely. State, Oklahoma, yeah. and Oklahoma State are three of the five teams all tied for first. Okay. With Texas. So I'm going to go with West Virginia. Only because it's the next one, right? We got to get that one. But I think that's the most winnable game, especially at night. And it'd be nice just to lock up that bowl game. I think BYU would play a little looser after that. Like, okay, we check that box. Yeah. And then, hey, let's go for seven at home against Iowa State. Let's go. And then Oklahoma, you have nothing to lose. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that Oklahoma State game, too, is going to be a little little bit of a battle. Right? Oklahoma State's a great football team. Oklahoma State has one of the – I mean – like, they are playing some really good football. Like Gordon the second leads the yes, country in rushing. And they have maybe the best running back in college football right now. Yeah, he's playing. Here's, here's one thing that I do love, too, about, about kind of the, the, I guess, the addition of Aiden Robbins, I think, is going to be huge, right? I still think he's tr- trying to find his groove, right? But last week, running between the guards and the tackles. The middle zone work, right? Austin. Like, he was, he, I mean, he does provide a little bit more of that downhill force and downhill presence, right, which is what you need to kind of get a passing game going, right? I think past years we've relied so much on the running game 
in our action, right, to get the ball out um, and open up those throwing lanes that, that I think Aiden's going to bring that for us. We're watching highlights of L.J. Martin, and Jeremy and I were just talking. Jeremy went holistically. The offense, frankly, has just – no, it has not been Canuff. We asked it what, what's been, been struggled. Canuff. Yeah. Offense I love that. Whole, obviously. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But there are some individuals that I feel like have, have exceeded expectations. L.J. is one of those. Yep. And the other is a receiver – in Darius Lassiter. Yeah. Is that a fair statement with what Darius has been able to do? Darius, uh, I was telling, you know, some of the guys at, uh, at the game day this, man, he has a knack for going and make a play, making a play, high-pointing the football, right, which not a lot of guys do. There's a lot of good receivers that when they got to go up and make those high-point contested catches, it's just it's 50-50. But with him, it's, it almost seems like he gets better in those type of situations, right? Uh, and I think last week – the one thing I did say as well that I like to see is let, let's get our core group of receivers and let's not take them off the field so much, right? I don't like to see so much variety in the passing game of how many guys are catching because the, the more guys you're rotating, the more confusion you're inviting to the process, right? And, and uh, you're not allowing the guys to kind of fall into a rhythm and to get into a rhythm with their quarterback. There is something to be said as a receiver of getting a feel for the DBs as the game goes on, getting a feel for the coverages because you're, you're, you're not going to see just uh, a, an array of different coverages throughout the whole game. You're going to probably see three or four. But if you're not out there to see it, right, you'll, it's a completely different perspective standing on the sideline rather than being on the field, right? seeing where those holes open up, where the soft zones are or the soft spots are, um, and like I said, developing that relationship with the quarterback. Okay, so uh, maybe minimize the, the large number of players that are on the field just to help them develop a rhythm. Absolutely. Okay. Let, help them get in a groove. We'll finish with this. Because it's Halloween, our question of the day, which Halloween candy best describes BYU football this season? Cougars are 5-3, and three, weird on offense, good on defense, but 5-3. and three. Oof. Dude, that is that is uh, <laughs> almond joy. <laughs> okay. 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 Almond joy. I mean, some people like it, right? Uh, it's got the chocolate, uh -huh. but then it also has you know the, the almonds. It has the almonds yeah. and the uh, coconut, coconut. Yeah. Right. So Which isn't of, really coconut. Kind of a weird mix. It's kind not, of a weird mix, right? Abnormal. <laughs> not typically what you're gonna see. Like good, but not traditional. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I like that one. That's good. Okay, That's all, good. All enjoyed it. Yeah. Solid on the spot. Hey, thank you. Okay. Respect, I hate Almond Joy. <laughs> <Respect>. <laughs> love BYU football. Love but what we're doing. Joy. Hate, hate Almond Joys. <laughs> well, good luck today adventuring uh, everywhere without a shirt. We appreciate you coming in. It's, I'm covering up as soon as we get outside. <laughs> More diet soda. Yeah. First, shirt, first shirtless guest on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. More of that. BYU football <laughs> Clemson Take tonight, 830 Eastern on the BYU TV app with the coach. Talks about, hey, Halloween. Let's get, they had a trunk or treat last night, by the way. Yes, they did. They got after it. They got after great it. costumes. Yeah. Up next, BYU women's soccer seems to be turning it up at hey. the right time. Will it continue at the Big 12 tournament in Round Rock, Texas? This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Yeah, we just gave up on Chris, let's be honest. Uh, welcome Everybody back. else did too. Welcome back to Studio B. Jerem, Jason, <laughs> let's get to today's headlines. 
Yesterday, the Big 12 announced the conference schedule made. Well, we should talk about this on the show. For all, maybe, maybe 12, for all Big 12 teams for the 2024 through 2027 seasons. Some highlights for BYU include playing Utah every year. Debatable if that's a highlight. Uh, playing Arizona, Arizona State, UCF, and Kansas three out of the four years and playing every other team at least twice in the next four seasons. In other football news, the uh, West Virginia game on Saturday has been flexed, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, you are. From FS1 to Fox. Because of the World Series. Because of the World Series, yes. Because it's over. The Rangers won the World Series. Sorry, spoiler alert. AL West. Nice. So it's been... AL West, let's go. It's been flexed from FS1 to Big Boy Fox. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5 Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. As well as, how about this, BYU safety Ethan Slade has been named a Bullsworth Trophy nominee, which is awarded the best college football player who began their career as a walk-on. Congratulations. Ethan Slade's been the starting strong safety this whole year, man. He's done a nice job. Men's Hoops beat Life Pacific 83-55, thanks to 20 points from Jackson Robinson on six of nine threes, 18 points from Spencer Johnson, five assists as well, including this behind the back dime to Foose. And BYU forces the steal. Nell down floor. Spencer Johnson drops it off for Foose, and he hammers it home. What a play! Spencer Johnson with the tee up for Fuseni Traore, and he rocks the rim. He didn't play as much in the second half. We joked it's because he didn't dunk it clean. It's all good. That was better than I could do. Cougars host Houston Christian Monday in the season opener with pregame on BYU TV and BYU Radio starting in 80s. BYU women's basketball beat Westminster 92-48 in exhibition play. The Cougars jumped out to a 26-0 lead and led 33-2 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah! BYU was led by Lauren Gustin, another double-double, 29 points. She also grabbed 15 rebounds and in the process hit her fourth career three-pointer. It's Calvert in the post, kick back out. Gustin will try a three. Why not? Everything else is going right for Gustin. The triple gives her 15 points in the opening quarter. She was absolutely dominant, and so were the Cougars. Up next is the season opener at Montana State on Tuesday. I'll have the call live from Bozeman on BYU Radio, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain. Bring you back some uh, venison or something. Sure. Sixth ranked and two seed women's soccer jumped out to a 4-0 lead last night against UCF. Never looked back, beating the Knights 4-1 in the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament. Olivia Wade Katoa, two goals. Brecken Mozingo, Ellie Walbrook scored as well. Cougars play Texas. Uh, Saturday in the Big 12 title game on ESPN Plus. And Olivia Wade Katoa, they're going to be ba uh, back in Round Rock, by the way. They were in Austin last night. Olivia Wade Katoa, NCAA Soccer National Player of the Week after her brace last night. Congratulations goes out to Jimmer Fredette as yeah. the United States three-on-three -three basketball team has qualified for the 2024 Paris Olympics. That's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Men's golf tied for seventh after day two at the Kapole Invitational in Hawaii. Max Brenchley, Zach Jones lead the way, shooting seven under, six under through the first two rounds. Uh, the final round is today. Zach Fuchs and Wally Thane of BYU Men's Tennis advanced to the second round of the ITA National Fall Championships yesterday. While on the women's side, Jackie Dunyan and Bobo Huang of the women's team fell in the round of 32. And Samson Nakua signs with the Michigan Panthers of the USFL. His brother and former Cougar safety Kai Nakua plays on the defensive side of the ball for the Michigan Panthers as well. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
All right, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, the men's exhibition win last night at the Marriott Center? The BYU needs Dallin Hall and Dawson Bick. Yeah. Uh, the little, little choppy, only 10 uh, turnovers, but felt like they needed a little more flow. Those two certainly need uh, to get back. Dawson Bick going to be out a minute. Dallin Hall hopefully will be back Monday. Yeah, that's kind of the way I went. Is just you want to see this team. I, I want to see what this team can do with all of its players. Get full complement of players, and then let's see how this team stacks up. That's little, kind of what I took A little away. banged up right now. Yep, no question. The Rock showed up last night. Nice crowd uh, in the student section for the exhibition game. To the point where in the post game, Mark Pope was so impressed, he made a comparison that has some people talking. I'm telling you what, man. Like, I feel bad for everybody that doesn't get a chance to come play at BYU. You know, you think about it, like, and this is this is probably, you guys know I exaggerate, but this might not be much of an exaggeration. For example, the defunct Pac-12, this is probably more fans and a better gym environment than most of the schools in the old Pac-12 had in a regular season game. Not wrong, <laughs> but what do you make of these comments? I love it. Any shot at the Pac-12, I'm all in for. <laughs> Bring it. There are some high-profile recruits BYU's trying to lock down next Wednesday on signing day that are competing um, for, you know, BYU's competing against Pac-12 schools for. That is a message to them that, hey, look at look at these crowds, and there's a lot that BYU has to offer, certainly, in that regard. So right. We'll see what happens next, next week. Who had the more dominant first half? Was it women's basketball, who uh, led 26 to nothing, or was it women's soccer that had a halftime lead of 4-0? Women's soccer is so good. We've seen 4-0 leads, including Oklahoma, uh, you know, the game before. We don't see 26-0 starts, so I'm going to go with women's hoops there because that one was new. Yeah, same rationale for me. We've seen that before. I was... <laughs> wow. BYU women's basketball came oh so close to, to shutting out Westminster in the first quarter. They ended 33-2, and that two by the Griffins came with under a minute left in the quarter. Mm. I was like, oh, so close. But it was under three. Okay, uh, Texas Tech hosts TCU tonight, uh, which means uh, Spencer and I need to make a pick. You'll, you'll I'll read Spencer's. Spencer's, yes. Red Raiders, a three-point favorite. I've got Texas Tech at home because Baron Morton is back. Remember, Jake Strong turned it over a bunch against BYU. The backup, Baron Morton, is back, and so I'm taking Tech by three or more. Okay, I'm not good at impressions, so I'm just going to do my own voice as Spencer, but I've got his no, no, quote. No, no, go ahead. No, I've got his quote. Uh, as Spencer, I'm going to say I'm rolling with Tech. Okay, then. I love it. End okay. quote. We, we got to throw that one out there. We'll keep an eye on that game tonight. Right, on this week's Big Stories podcast, learn how players from Finland, Sweden, and the Netherlands discovered the American game and how they made it to Morgantown. Listen to Big Stories on the BYU Radio app or wherever you find podcasts. The first conference tournament titles up for grabs Saturday night in the Big 12 for BYU. In women's soccer, they play Texas. Do they need it to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament? And how do they win? Bella Felina. Polino joins us from Round Rock after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem Jordan. He is Spencer Linton in West Virginia. Let's get to today's headlines. 
Beginning with BYU football, yeah, in West Virginia. Morgantown specifically tomorrow night to take on the Mountaineers. As mentioned earlier in the show, multiple, uh, multiple reports rather say BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis will sit out and backup quarterback Jake Retzloff will get his first Division I start at quarterback. The Mountaineers currently as high as a 13.5 point favorite. FPI gives BYU just a 28% chance of winning. Even at night, pregame coverage begins at 5 Eastern, live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Cougs in the NFL, Jaron Hall will make his first career NFL start at quarterback for the Vikings at Atlanta with Tyler Algier. Puka Nakua and the Rams play Zane Anderson looking to play his first game of the season for the Packers. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, Daniel Sorensen and the Saints play host to the Bears. Cougars in the NFL Part 2 includes Kyle Van Noy and the Baltimore Ravens taking on Jerem Jordan Seahawks, Blake Freeland and the Indianapolis Colts play in Carolina against the Panthers, Sione Takitaki and the surprising Cleveland Browns have a date with the Arizona Cardinals while Andy Reid's Chiefs go all the way to Germany to take on the Miami Dolphins which feature former BYU running back Chris Brooks. Du, du hast, du hast mich. Sixth ranked and two seed BYU women's soccer plays four seed Texas in Round Rock, Texas in the Big 12 Championship tomorrow, 8 Eastern on ESPN Plus, and then it's Selection Monday. Will the Cougars get a one seed? Number 12 BYU women's volleyball working to get back on track and their winning ways when they host Cincinnati tonight and tomorrow. Both matches begin at 9 Eastern on ESPN Plus. Baseball's 2024 schedule is out. The Cougars open the season at the MLB Desert Invitational on February 16th. Some of the highlights in non-conference hosting Gonzaga. Hey, friends. And at the uh, and in May, you always going to Miami. That's a nice trip. And then uh, begin Big 12 play March 7th at West Virginia. BYU men's golf finishing the Kapule Invitational in a tie for sixth place. Max Brenchley leading the way for the Cougars. He finished in a tie for eighth with a combined score of 12 under par. Nice job, Max. Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs lost in the second round of the ITA Fall Nationals yesterday. Jack Barnett, Red Owen, TJ Wells, and Brian Chen will represent the Cougars this weekend at SMU's Ralston Newfeld Coaches Challenge. And BYU men's and women's swim and dive compete this weekend in a dual meet in Las Vegas against UNLV. Hey, maybe they can go to the Sphere. See you two. Who knows? Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Minnesota Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson was asked, and I love this response, about the maturity of Jaron Hall. He said, and I quote, I mean, he went to BYU, so he's wise. End quote. Is this spot on, Jerem? And what are your expectations for Jaron in his first NFL start? Yeah, I think this is the new, like, instead of saying they're old or they have strollers in their trunks, uh, I like this one a little better. <laughs> Accentuates the positive of being experienced. Yeah, no, he's an older rookie for sure. He's not Chris Wanky old, but he's old. Certainly expect him to try and, you know, be himself and, and play his game, as John Beck just told us. He doesn't need to be Kirk Cousins. They're one of the top three offenses in passing and uh, touchdowns, so you don't have to be that guy per se, but hopefully uh, the Vikings can run the ball a little bit and use Jordan Addison. He's uh, one of the best rookies in the league. Yes, one of Jaron's greatest strengths has always been 
his ability to, to maintain a mature demeanor when he's in high pressure situations. And so it'll be interesting to see how much Kevin O'Connell and the staff really let Jaron Hall try and be aggressive because you said earlier this week, another one of his strengths is he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. So my expectations are, yeah, he's gonna be mature and he's probably gonna be really, really good at taking care of the football for Minnesota. From the Spanish Oaks golf course to the Vikings starting quarterback. The NFL on CBS tweeted that Zach Wilson's leading the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks this season with three. Is Zach more clutch than we thought? How do you deny it at this point? I mean, you can say what you want about how ugly certain portions of the games have been for the Jets and like how up and down it's been and how bad the offensive line has played and Zach taking sacks that he shouldn't. But when it comes down to it, Jerem, facts are facts. The dude makes plays late in games, and to lead the NFL in that category is pretty wild. I know it, it, it's not only Zach in those circumstances, but he still has to rise up. And with 24 seconds left, you're done against the Giants. They figure no out a way. Else. He makes two great passes, makes two, you know, no, and they get themselves into a winning scenario, which is pretty wild. So credit to Zach. Yeah, he, he has the clutch factor for sure. We have to recognize it. He's getting better. Is it at the pace that Jets fans want? Is it the same as Aaron Rodgers? No, it's not going to be. Zach's going to go at a different pace no. there. But, hey, that's a great stat. Of all the stats, I like that one for Zach. How much of a bounce back do you expect to see from BYU women's volleyball against Cincinnati tonight and tomorrow? When I was a teenager, I'd go to Salt Lake and we'd play the uh, play at the Fun Dome. And there was this huge dome and I'd get bouncy balls and I'd throw it super hard down on the ground and see how high I could go and then I would lose it. That kind of bounce back for BYU women's volleyball. I think they are will be <laughs> tremendous tonight. They're 10-0 at home. They've only lost three sets at home. I expect BYU to play very good volleyball the next two days. Yeah, the wake-up call has happened, and I love the Fun Dome reference. Did you go to the Holy Fun Dome cow, ever? That's throwing it back, man. Yeah, absolutely. Nice, dude. I, I would Good get like these certificates right from uh, yeah. middle school, and we'd, it'd be free. It was awesome, man. My mom would drop me off and uh, with my friends. It'd be great. Man. Okay, and last but not least, does BYU Bring women's soccer back. need to beat Texas tomorrow to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? I don't think they do, Jerem. They have been so dominant in the first two games of the Big 12 tournament, outscoring their opponents a combined 10 to one. They're obliterating teams. And their RPI was number one after they beat up on UCF. It still is, baby. So as long as they're competitive, as long as they're competitive against Texas, they should be okay. If it's a weird game and they lose one nothing or two to one. I think they've done enough to earn at least that last number one seed. But let's not even leave it to chance. Let's just go ahead and watch BYU win, beat Texas again, and then just secure it for sure. We need that win after the football game. So get a tournament title, the first yeah. in, in BYU history as well after cross country won that, right? A little bit different of yeah. a scenario. Bring home another Big 12 title and let's go, man. Okay, huge game tomorrow, 8 Eastern on ESPN Plus for women's soccer. On the latest Hawaii podcast with Lauren McLean. Lauren Gustin, the Lawrence, recount her great breakout season as star of the women's basketball team, why she decided to come back for one more year and not to transfer. Check out the latest episode on the BYU Radio app or wherever you find podcasts. Coming up, the Big 12 Roundup and Prop Picks. Chaos reigneth in this league. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 
using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our question of the day, how does Jake Retzloff starting at quarterback change your expectations for BYU against West Virginia? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. Kyle Retzloff, you can't replace the starting P4 experience of Slovis. However, the BYU offense does need a spark. I'm hopeful Jake can be just that with his improvisation ability. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain yes. America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go ahead and give it to Jake, who has waited patiently for his opportunity, Jeremy, and now he's got it. And I love so much, we've said this before, there's a place for everyone at BYU, yep. from all their different walks of life and backgrounds and different religions. I love that BYU is starting a Jewish quarterback tomorrow. I think that is such a cool storyline. Jake's a great person, want to watch him play well. He calls himself BYU. He's not Jake from State Farm, apparently. Oh, thanks to today's guest, John, uh, John Beck. And a reminder, conversation continues 24-7 on all the social media platforms. Sorry to Dennis. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Ryan Hancock. We'll see you tonight for volleyball. Go Cougs! That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.